1: of the last felony, ion dissonance, and cryptopsy, there is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers!
0: What is up, good people? Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time, thanks for downloading. Thanks for tuning in. If you're returning, like a returning customer? No, that's not exactly it. But if this is not your first time, thank you for coming back. I hope you enjoy this episode. This was a really fun one, and we'll get into it real quickly. But I do have a couple things I want to tell you about first. Namely, I popped up a couple new YouTube videos. I've been being more active on YouTube lately. You can search The Tone Mob or go to the link in the description for that. If you want to subscribe and all that stuff, it really helps me out a lot. It's just another channel that I need to explore and find my way through and provide more content and stuff for you. Um, On that note, one of the videos I put up this weekend was a demo of the Big Ear Pedals Albi. I gave that a pretty thorough going through. And the other one is something that I've talked about a lot on this podcast where I'll just get some pedals out and just see where the sound takes me. No real intention to it. No real expectation of anything. Just see where the sounds take you and or me rather and this time I actually set up some mics and recorded it so that I could I don't know share it with people. So if you want to go there, it's called Halloween Zone Out, I think. Halloween Zone Out 2020, something like that. It's on the YouTube channel. You can find it. And I was kind of kind of surprised with how it turned out. I really, really liked how it sounded. It was definitely like a shoegazy, you know, mess of stuff, but It was a lot of fun, so if you like that kind of thing, put that in your YouTube viewing schedule. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Here we go. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today I have Nick Rogers of Dirty Haggard Audio. What's going on, man?
1: Hello, how's it going?
0: You know, hanging in there. Uh, you know, the the sun is shining, and the air is clean, and uh... I'm not trying to evacuate. So, you know, things are yeah. looking up around here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Breathing is good and not having to run away from uh, immolent, immolation, imminent immolation. Yeah,
0: yeah. Very that's good. It's a, nice, that's a yeah. nice thing. I mean, in 2020, we just have to consider that a win. That's basically <laughs> what we got to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Small victories. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well,
0: good times, yeah. So you and I, we we met. I mean, it's it's so weird to meet a new person in twenty twenty that you've never you've never spoken with or met in person before. We met in the Fred Meyer parking lot in North Portland <laughs> with masks on. So yeah, it's the the most bizarre way of of meeting new people. Uh, I I really hadn't even ventured out that much up at that up until that point. So it was really a a strange thing all around, but yeah, what <laughs> yeah what are, yeah, it's what are very we even doing?
1: what what's that? I said, what are we even doing? Who knows? Oh yeah, yeah uh we're we're surviving. that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really well, funny it, it is it is really interesting to to meet new people now because it's like, hey, I don't know what your face fully looks like. I'm not going to recognize you later, probably.
0: I know because you like pull you like pull the mask down for a second, like from you know like eight feet away. Like here's what I look like, and it's like that's not <laughs> enough to like really remember <laughs> or, <laughs> or retain anything. I'm like I can't I can't remember at all.
1: <laughs> on the plus side, though, you can go out without brushing your teeth, and no one will be offended. This is possibly true. Depends on
0: you know. Well, I guess if you're staying away from each other, that is probably accurate. But I don't know. I don't like not brushing my teeth. It gets grainy yeah, and weird. Yeah. Maybe that speaks yeah. more to my
1: diet than anything else, actually. Maybe I should stop <laughs> talking about that. I don't yeah, after a few cups of coffee, it's eh, you kinda need to clean that out a bit. Get sketchy. I do at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same.
0: Well, tell me about yourself. You we, we talked about your you know, your story a little bit there in the parking lot, but I don't know, you know, how you came to start building effects, like, you know, all this stuff. You you were wearing a synthesizer shirt when I met you, so I imagine that's part of your life as well. So, what's your musical backstory? How did you get to uh, doing what you're doing today?
1: Um, so well, actually, the synthesizer thing that was, uh, that's an old band T-shirt. So I used to play, uh, bass in, like, an electro rock band, um. Uh yeah, so anyway, b- before that though, like you know, I started out as a as a teenager playing guitar and uh I wanted to pursue, you know, being a rock star because of course who doesn't, but as you know, maturity took hold, it was like, yeah, it's probably not probably not likely. I should probably do something a little bit more economically viable. So <laughs> I guess I, I guess I didn't really choose the right path at first. I went to a recording school. Um oh, So oh I learned boy. how to do... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put myself pretty deep in debt learning how to do recording and all that stuff. And then I tried that for a few years. Uh, got a few cool gigs. Like, I did make a, a sound effects library for some Los Angeles company, and I, I got a couple tracks featured in some, like, really low-level TV shows. But... um you know, nothing that... I mean, it was beer money, basically. Um, and so uh, I went back to school for electronics. And yeah, pretty much as soon as I got out of school, I just started diving into pedals because why wouldn't I do something that's music-related with an electronics degree? Uh, <laughs> I don't know that much about...
0: like. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I don't really know that much about uh, electronics. Well, let me backpedal. I know just enough about electronics to be dangerous. I don't have any formal education in that stuff at all. I assume that there are different levels and different types, kind of like there's different types of like computer science things you can do. Like I know a lot of electricians, but that's not really the same thing as what you know, like working on computers or pedals or something like that like how does all that break down how does that work
1: uh yeah i don't i don't know if i can articulate that um i i don't even know how to how to to go about that um i guess there's different levels of like complexity so there's definitely like um you, you can make a circuit with like two transistors and it's you know it's super basic and it just does what it does, but then you can make it really complex and you can use like all like the trolls that you use in like uh, tremolo circuits and um all kinds of like various you know regulators and current sources and all that crap uh and then you can advance from there to integrating digital chips and all that stuff, and so you know having uh digital to analog converters and uh analog did did I just say analog to digital and digital to analog? okay, yeah, that's what you do yeah um, <laughs> and so yeah it's it. just all about all about like you know building more complex blocks on top of the really simple stuff
0: that's kind of what I've started to gather after after talking to so many different builders and things it's like it seems like a more intricate version of like Legos. It's like, okay, you have this type of circuit that does this. And then when you combine it with this other type of circuit, now together they do a different thing than they do individually. And I'm like, okay, my P yeah. brain can start to wrap around that concept a little bit.
1: Uh, yeah, and then definitely as like a, a learning tool, like if you start sectioning a circuit off into each individual block, like for example, there's your oscillator. Uh, again, if we're talking about like maybe a tremolo or something. Um, like it's it's just so much easier to be like, here is your preamp section and then just like section that off and try to understand that. And then like you the, know there's your oscillator. Try to understand that. Here's your power amplifier. Try to understand that. Um, it's yeah, it's like it's really confusing when you just look at the entire circuit and just try to analyze like, you know, point A to point B, like what's going on start to finish. Like that's when you confuse yourself and start uh, feeling like discouraged and all that. Yeah, I know that feeling.
0: (laughs) I've (laughs) stared at schematics before, and I'm just like, well, there's a ground. And (laughs) I don't know what any of that other stuff is. I better ask somebody who knows more than I do. Our electronics class in high school was – how should I say this? Actually, I don't think this guy listens. I don't even know if he's a teacher anymore. Uh, It was kind of a joke. (laughs) You Uh just – you kind of everyone that took it kind of knew the deal with that particular teacher, and the deal was as long as you didn't cause any problems, you could kind of do whatever you wanted, and uh, and that included not necessarily being in the class. Mm. <laughs> and so you could just kind of come and go and uh, you know screw around, and pretty much everybody got a's and B's. It was a very nice. uh, very. Lucy goosey type of class, which, you know, my, uh, teenage self really appreciated, but as far as oh, yeah, yeah. gaining any electronics knowledge, I, uh, I learned how an led worked and that's about it. <laughs> that's about the extent of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, that, I had that experience with a couple of my teachers, like this one guy, my, this guy's the most incompetent human being on the planet. I swear. Like he gave us the same, uh, the final and the midterm was the exact same exam. Because in between <laughs> that, th- like he didn't teach us anything, um, and he he was the kind of guy where if you got confused, he would ask you more questions that are over your head, and so it's like, dude, if I don't understand like the ground level, then how am I supposed to understand like you know story number six? Like, what what are you trying to do to me right now? Um, and then this other guy, he uh, he taught my radio frequency class like he he tried to use the circumference of the earth in some calculation one day and then like six weeks later we're doing the final exam and we have we had had to like memorize what the circumference of the earth was in meters and it's like dude can you can you like give us that variable please what are you doing Uh, Yeah, the whole
0: memorization and testing thing, like, I get, like, it's good to, like, know and have certain things just kind of ready to go in the back of your head. But at the same time, I feel like memorization is kind of a skill in and of itself. But if you don't practice it, if you don't continue to try to memorize that specific thing, then you forget, like, Almost immediately, at least I do. I just remember, like you know, there'd be various hobbies that I would get really into at different points in my life, and I used to know everything about them. All these little details, like I, I, I'm still a big muscle car fan, but when I was a teenager, I was a really big muscle car fan, and I could tell you, like, you know, the exact year of the Chevelle, you know, because the, you know, the windshield had this kind of. Betzel around it, you know, or whatever. And I can't Uh pull those things out anymore. I don't remember them as well as I used to. Certain models, sure. But I don't know how much memorization really is all that valuable when it comes to, you know, certain fields. I don't know. I I wonder about that with our testing procedures and stuff these days.
1: Yeah, I think a much more valuable skill is knowing where to look for the answer, like if you need a formula for some kind of like you're you're trying to figure out like you know distance versus time or something like if you don't remember the formula but you know how to find it i think that's much much more valuable for you
0: yeah i mean cuz you're never going to remember everything right right it's always going to be something you got to look up something you got to investigate like you can't you can't know everything i mean some people can some, some hyper-geniuses can remember everything, but your average person's got to Google. Googling uh-huh. is a skill.
1: <laughs> yeah, and especially, like, I mean, I, I don't know what they told you when you were growing up, but, you know, everyone is like, well, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket when you, when you get on the job. And it's like, ha-ha, uh, I have a smartphone. Not only do I have a calculator, <laughs> but I also have the internet and, like, you know, every other app you could imagine, um, yeah so oh, yeah. It's, like, it's it's must irrelevant. be about the same age
0: <laughs> I remember yeah. that as, oh, All yeah, the time yeah. You're not going to have a calculator I'm like well No And I can do basic addition and subtraction No problem But I don't really need to like Remember how to calculate the area of a circle I don't really need to know that That's not yeah. information
1: Somebody yeah, well, out I'm... there
0: is screaming at us right now Like yes you
1: do <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say that uh, the entire time I was a forklift operator, I never had to, uh, you know, calculate, um, you know, the square root of 72. You know, I didn't either when I was a forklift operator.
0: I never, (laughs) that was never a thing that I needed to worry about. You did need to know about angles and uh, how if you lift something real heavy up real tall, it gets kind of tippy. You you didn't need to know about that. So I guess that's sort of math, but I don't know. (laughs) This is your fulcrum. Good to go. (laughs) Or is that more like physics? I don't know. I'm so uneducated. I shouldn't be commenting on education. I'm just like (laughs) a moron over here like, I don't know. I talk into microphone. (laughs) Um, But yeah, man. So we, we get so sidetracked on this show. It happens all the time. So let's talk about your your pedals. Like, when what did you first start making? Like, you got out of school, you were like, "I want to make pedals." What what was the first thing you made?
1: So, um, the fir- the very first pedal that I ever made it was a, a clone of a Fender Blender. Um, and this is this is actually like before I even had the idea of of starting a business. Um, I just I just made it because like I, I found I found some info on it online, and I was like, whoa, that thing's cool." Um, so I made the circuit, uh, and then I figured out how to use a, a PCB creator program. And so I, I sent off for the PCBs, put it all together, plugged it in, and it it worked. But the noise floor was insane. It was like, like maybe 10% lower than the signal level. So it was like, okay, uh, it functions, and it sounds cool, but it's entirely unusable. And so um, I just, you know, did some random research, learned more things about electronics. uh, And I reduced the noise by like 98%. Um, And that pretty much right there was me being like, oh, oh, I got something here. I want to do stuff with this idea. Um, Because like also what I've done... Uh, like I said i went to to music school and so uh, you know I tried to record bands and stuff um and I always had like the the cheapest worst equipment possible and the worst environments to record in and so background noise and all that was was just i mean it was like the the devil of my life uh so so yeah, having a successful pedal build and successfully making it shut up when you're not playing. (laughs) It just kind of put that idea in my head, like, well, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could make pedals that are dead quiet and still really high gain, and maybe people would like that. So what did you figure out on that build? Like, what was it that was causing
0: it to be so noisy? Because I know we have a lot of aspiring builders and
1: things that listen to this show, so what did you figure out? Um. So... One of the one of the theories that I actually never fully tested was like the size of the the input capacitor. Like it was basically letting every single frequency that might exist down to like one hertz into the circuit. So um, I did reduce the value of of that cap so that it was chopping everything below like twenty hertz off. Just in case there was any little rumbling that existed anywhere in my vicinity that was getting into the circuit, um, right. I mean, that's always just a really good idea. If you want to get rid of like the the noise and mud, you you know, put a high pass filter so that you chop some of that off. But uh, the main thing was uh, power supply ripple. I was using a really terrible power supply at the time, and the the schematic I found it called for just like a, a ten microfarad cap across the power terminals. Which was just grossly inefficient. Um, it's it's really standard uh, for every pedal company just about to use just a 100 microfarad across the power terminals. But I found that that mm-hmm. even isn't really that great. So the main thing that I did was uh, put an RC filter at the power supply input, um, and I made it like really aggressive. So basically everything above five hertz was being attenuated. So like 5 hertz is the negative 3 dB down point. And then when you get to 50 hertz, it's down negative 20 decibels and and so on. Uh, Yeah, that was the main thing. And then I guess later in, in subsequent designs, it was applying noise gating, which I don't know. I don't know if I should be all proprietary about that. Probably not. Um, Ooh. <laughs> proprietary. <laughs> Yeah. Using, you know, diodes as noise gates and uh, biasing transistors so that they're kind of off when you're not playing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's interesting with like fuzz
0: circuits in particular, how many of them, I don't want to say it's built in, but sort of just by the nature of how things are constructed, they sort of have a noise gate naturally. And some of them are really aggressive. And some of them I've found that they like, they sustain just right. And then when you're not playing, it, it's quiet. It's like, wow, this is this is impressive because a lot of people just let the noise pour out, baby, which is also fun. Um, I'm a very noise tolerant guitar player. I'm always like <laughs> kind of astounded how many people are like, that's so noisy. I could never play that. And I'm just like, oh, I didn't I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I like, Probably because I've played P90s and stuff for so long, I'm just kind of accustomed to the buzz. It's just part of the experience for me. But people get really <sighs> sensitive to it. And I get it, for certain styles of music,
1: it doesn't really work. I, I guess, yeah, if you're just kind of jamming out by yourself, like it's it's whatever. But I always just found it like when you're when you're doing a recording and when you're using, you know, when you're in someone's garage and there's already like too much reverb and There's already like, you know, people above it, like, you know, stomping on the floor and stuff. Um, Having that extra buzzing, like when someone's doing some kind of like uh, some riff with a whole bunch of breaks in it, especially if like the whole band cuts out and then all you hear is that like buzzing in the background like that, that that really bothered me over the years. And so um, so, yeah, I became like ridiculously anal retentive about it. I mean,
0: especially with like more like genty stuff or like, like you said, when the whole band stops and there's just that one guy going. Eh. Well, yeah, that's usually, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it doesn't really work sonically. And then it just makes it the, the engineer have to do more stuff. And if you're playing live, it's it's its own problem. And yeah, maybe I should uh, maybe I should use my MXR smart gate a little more often, but (laughs) I don't. So, you know, that's another thing about gates, which is maybe you're the guy to talk to since you are so picky about it. I have a hard time, not with like gates in pedals specifically, but dedicated noise gates. A lot of people really like like the ISP decimator. And I didn't like that one very well. It, it like, it was either, it would either work and like, cut the noise where where you would want it but like all your sustain was gone or uh it wouldn't it wasn't enough to actually like get rid of the noise that was my experience with the regular isp decimator i like the smart gate
1: better do you have a preferred noise gate um so arguably yes um i i've had really terrible luck with like any kind of pedal gate like exactly the same issue. Like it either doesn't do it right, like it, it chops off way too much or it just doesn't do anything. Um, mm-hmm. Or I found that like it, it's got a built in release that you can't really do anything about. And so y- you do some really like quick, uh, quick breaks like na kind of stuff. And yeah, in the little in the little gap there, you hear the noise floor like it, it starts out full bore and then fades down. And it's like that's that just sounds terrible. It's um, almost worse. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather have it not do that because then it, that adds that extra element. That's just kind of distracting. So uh, tip. I mean, I really like, um, <laughs> I really like the noise gates that no one has access to. Like the, uh, the ones that are in these, those really expensive uh, SSL recording consoles because oh, of
0: course. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> um, because then you can set like, uh, Oh man, what's the term for it? Like the, the threshold or whatever. So you Mm -hmm. can you can have it start at whatever decibel level, but then you can have it only cut out maybe 20 percent of the noise or 30 percent of the noise. And still it, it still like retains some of the noise floor. It just cuts it down a bit. So it's not just like full volume or mute. It's anywhere in between those two. And so like that makes it sound, in my opinion, much more like natural. And non-distracting. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I guess I don't know. I really need to actually investigate a lot of um, dedicated like pedals, just so I know. Because I actually get this question a lot, and I I never have an answer for anyone. Do you think it might be
0: such a thing that oh, I mean, you know, you don't have to say anything if you're working on it, but like, do you think that's something you could break out of those SSL consoles and make? independent
1: in pedal form that's really funny because i recently got got that check that chunk of the schematic for the console and i'm i'm really thinking about it um yeah it calls for like positive and negative 16 volt rails so that's kind of hard to do with a single 9 volt supply but i feel like you could adjust everything for the lower voltage and it would still work I wonder what the mad geniuses
0: over at Chase Bliss and Maris did, because I want to say that that's the power supply they're running in that current, uh, the uh, CXM 1978 they just released. Hmm. I want to say that I, I thought I thought in their literature it said like it was running internally, it was running that. But I could be wrong. I don't want oh, anybody yeah. to quote me on that, but that sounds right <laughs> to me.
1: Yeah, there's definitely definitely a nine um, volt
0: power supply,
1: right? Yeah, and then you can get a uh, like, what is it, a charge pump um, Mm -hmm. to generate a negative nine volt line. Mm -hmm. Those are those are a little boring. Yeah, yeah, those are those. They add they always add a lot of complexity. Um, Like every time I've tried to use one, it's got a a switching frequency of about well, the one that I have specifically, it has a switching frequency of ten kilohertz, and so it's still in like the audible. Uh, frequency range and so you need to use like inductors and all kinds of clever smoothing to kill that that annoying like that really shrill like uh frequency Mm -hmm. um yeah so it it I don't know it's just a pain in the anus and so I just haven't done it yet because I'm you know I I avoid anus pains (laughs) well I mean as you should. <laughs> it just makes sense.
0: <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? So are you playing music currently? Do you have a band or an, I, a project?
1: Yeah. Uh so yeah, I play bass in a band called Beast Mountain right now. It's like uh that. it's like a kind of doom uh yeah, kind of kind of doom rock, uh clean vocals. Um It's funny how many times I've said I play in a doom band and people go, oh, Cookie Monster vocals like no, but I don't have a problem with Cookie Monster. Shut up.
0: Right. I love cookies. (laughs) Leave me alone.
1: Monsters are cool, too. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's really fun. I joined um, I joined after they recorded an album. Um, So I'm like, you know, a fill in guy for the time being, I guess. I don't know. That's that's not true. But um yeah, no, it's really fun. I really enjoy playing that style of music. Um, the the previous project I was in was like super poppy uh, rock, something or other, mm-hmm. pop rock emo or some some crap like that. So, yeah. And then when I'm when I'm by myself, I do uh, like really aggressive experimental industrial metal. So it's a it's a nice variety. Yeah, yeah.
0: I what I've noticed. You know, when I was a kid and like coming up in like the sort of punk rock, like warp tour thing, I always had everything very compartmentalized in my head. And like I was like, oh, these bands tour together and these bands tour together. But what I didn't like ever picture happening was like this big mismatch of things like now you see, you know, the dudes from Slayer commenting on the dudes from My Chemical Romance's page, and like you see, like you really see like the music community and the rock community kind of in general. Like we, I think we've become like all blended together in some way. Like you said, you were playing in some pop rock project, and now it's a Doom band, not not the same band, obviously, but now you're playing in a Doom band. And most people, like I want to say, like 15 years ago, wouldn't expect somebody to make a jump like that.
1: Right. I don't know if that's yeah. just my
0: perception, or what, what do you think?
1: I, I definitely felt like when I was in my high school years. Can you hear the dog in the background? He's absolutely losing his mind. Um, I can. You need to go take care of him? <laughs> yeah, let me go yell at him real quick. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. All right. My bad. Um, <laughs> no sweat. Okay. Can, uh, so so we'll yeah. just Punch uh,
0: right in. Yeah. We'll just punch in after my question and you can right on. answer it. Then. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, train of thought. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. When I was in high school, I definitely felt like um, people were still isolating themselves in small groups based on like styles of music that they listened to, which, I mean, it's so strange to think about it now, but it's like, yeah, those really like the the kids who listen to punk rock. Those are the guys who listen to metal. There's always the group of people who are like the ICP uh, Juggalo dudes, um, and yeah, there was like very little crossover. But yeah, definitely lately, it's like, why why do we have to do that? No, there's no reason. We can all like each other's stuff a little bit. It's like a Venn diagram, right?
0: Yeah, there's way more overlap. Uh, I recently just found this band called If I Die First, and they're they're like a straight up like Seosin, like screamo band, but they're made up of a bunch of like I don't know the history of the band that well, so I don't I'll, I don't want to get in trouble if I'm like speaking inaccurately. But they're made up of like a bunch of like SoundCloud like emo rappers, <laughs> which huh. is like the the just like not at all what you would expect and then you turn it on and it's like this is from 2007 is what it sounds like <laughs> it's it's kind of uh I think I'm just realizing as I get older that people just like music like there's a lot of old hardcore guys that go on to make like alt country records and you know it's all just music man it's all good right
1: yeah and there's legitimately no reason to be hating on other styles i mean you can not like something that's okay oh yeah absolutely you can you can absolutely have preferences but to just be like oh that's fake you know that's poser music like yeah shut up yeah i
0: know i think back to the things that i thought and said back in those days and i'm like what who are you? You could barely even play guitar back then. And like you can <laughs> barely play now. I mean, for that matter. Like it's like why <laughs> what kind of like weird gatekeeperism were you doing where like this is real punk and that's not real punk, but like this band gets a pass because they used to play in some hardcore bands. So that that's okay if this pop punk band it's tours with the, it's this dumbest thing I've ever <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. Uh, it's amazing that it still kind of exists in certain like circles. I think it's becoming less of a thing. I think the tolerance for that is, is going down substantially.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's still pretty prevalent in like uh black metal and stuff like the really extreme yeah. genres. But I think everyone else is kind of just like, eh, I don't really want to close myself off to what, what other stuff is really great. I'd rather just listen to it all.
0: Yeah, exactly. I want to listen to "Fit for an Autopsy" and Billie Eilish, and I don't want anybody to say anything about it. I can do what I want. <laughs> this is fine. Which that new Bond track that she she did is actually very good. I thought. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but
1: it's it actually good. sound yeah. I heard I heard like a thirty second clip. It actually sounded legit. I I quite enjoyed it. I quite
0: quite liked it. I'm very excited for that movie, but it just got postponed, so I'll have to wait. Thanks, Corona. Soundface yeah so what's your bass rig look like
1: uh so right now i'm playing uh it's an ibanez sr or something or other it's a, it's one of those sound gear um really oh, really yeah. common bass yeah um, those are cool though yeah no it feels amazing it's like the most it's one of the most comfortable bases i've ever had um so i have that I, ha- I have that going into a really minimal pedal board um I get the name of this pedal wrong literally every time Um, I one day I will actually like remember what it's called. So it's a it's a DIY damn it. Um, It's like a dual DIY overdrive from uh, Damnation Audio. Um, I actually got it. uh, Alec from Mask Audio. He. Oh, yeah. He sent it along. Like I bought one of his pedals and he's just like, oh, here you go. Here's a PCB. And so I was like, oh. Dual, I think I could use this for bass. And so I kind of modified some of the values so that I basically have like um a really mild overdrive with like all the lows through one side, and then um it's it's like a rat pedal on the other side. So then you merge cool. the two, and then yeah, you've got like a separate volume for each. Um it's it's great. It makes I say this literally every time. I probably sound like a, a massive idiot but it makes it sound like there's a, fr- a freight train just blasting out of my my speakers it's so big and and awesome sounding um, and so yeah and then I have uh, it's uh, the the bass clone from electro harmonics like they mm-hmm. their chorus specifically for bass um, and then that's going into a PV headliner uh, like it's a, it's a really powerful like 1000 watt little head um, and then i have uh, uh what is it an swr 4x12 and a carvin 4x12 so it's like it's a it's a pretty big big loud setup so is that a uh, is that a 1000 watt
0: solid state is that what yes. that is or how okay i was like yeah, wow, it's, it's... what would that be like if it was two?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if but it was still. tube, it'd be yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, it's it's like one of the the class D style amps where it's like really tiny and lightweight, but has you know a billion watts somehow. I uh, I like those; those are fun to mess with. It's just sometimes just fun
0: to just to get crazy loud. I sometimes forget how loud my son Beta Lead is. I don't remember how many watts that is, but it's solid state, but it will break my face. If I turn it up too loud, it is so loud. It's got. I'm pretty sure that's the loudest amp I own. I don't know if it. I don't know if that's louder, or I have a Fender 75, which is a 75 watt tube head, and that's really loud too, and very clean. But nice. Um,
1: yeah, a thousand watts is something else. That's <laughs> that's some serious wattage. Yeah, I yeah, don't. I don't think it's. I mean, I think it's a thousand watts if you're dealing with like 10% distortion. You could probably only get like 500 watts out of it before it starts to just break up in a really horrifyingly terrible way. Oh, not a good, not a good kind of breakup. No, like the the solid state, like what are you doing? It's broken, kind of breakup. <laughs> I like that sometimes. Sometimes that's <laughs> fun. It's, I mean, it's kind of funny though because I mean, playing with the band. I mean, I'm I'm playing against like two uh, two half stacks and like they're both down tuned. Um, and I can still just put my, my volume at like three out of 10 and just overpower them. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really hurting for power. What tuning are you guys playing in most of the time? Uh, so yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, I play a five string currently, uh, I'm going to be replacing it with a four string, but, uh, yeah. So our, main our lead guitar player plays a six string and then our rhythm guitar singer plays a seven string so everyone's kind of in different tunings i'm in standard uh with the low b i think they're both in some form of like open tuning uh i i know our singer is in in an open b tuning I, I i don't actually know what our lead guitar player tunes in
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think it's the same
1: yeah. yeah i think it's the same but i yeah, that piece of information is missing from my brain. What uh, What kind of guitars are they rocking usually? Uh, so lead guitar, he's got a SG um, into, oh man, it's the PV6505? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. And then our singer has, it's some kind of, some Ibanez, some really fancy Ibanez. And then he's got like some uh, some rocker verb that I really I really like the sound of. Oh man, every time I think of that amp, I'm like, oh, I think I I
0: think that my amp gas is like taken care of by my Benson's, and it largely is. But well, there's a few things, uh, like a fifty-one fifty is one of those, a Soldano a SLO. Well, I used to say the one hundred, but a thirty would probably actually be better for me. And then the orange rocker verbs. I want a rocker verb, something fierce, and I have for years. I need to
1: make that more of a priority in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I didn't know anything about them until until I joined the band and he started playing it. And yeah, it's like, holy, holy uh, S word. That's, that's some nice tone. It's just, there's something about that. That particular amp has the
0: orange sound and it's definitely its own like low mid focused thick growl thing that just there isn't anything else that really does that except a good orange and i right yeah yeah that that
1: mid-range it's it's got it's got that yeah it's got the mid-range like really nicely dialed in
0: yeah so it's a it's a very specific sound I, i think everybody knows it when they when they hear it orange you know orange got really big in kind of in my generation, like again, in that like warp tour thing, like with all the heavy bands and everybody started playing orange and I was like, what are those? Those are great. And then the first time I actually played one in person, I was just, in fact, my first tube amp experience was actually a tiny terror plugging into a tiny terror at at a store. And I was like, wow,
1: I'm doing it wrong. I need, (laughs) I need this in my life. Um, Yeah. That's, that was my, uh, that was the one that I really wanted for the longest time. Um, uh, I ended up, I actually ended up building my own. Um, I got, uh, yeah, I got this, uh, this old fender amp off Craigslist. It, it was, he sold it to me for like $80 or something because it was, it was broken. Um, but when he gave it to me, it was, it had all the tubes in it. It had like, uh, the spring tank, um, just so many usable parts were still there. The speaker's in great condition, the cabinet's in great condition. So I basically just gutted it, and using the existing uh, power and output transformer, I just designed, like... I mean, I basically cloned the the whole front end of the Tiny Terror with just a couple little tweaks, and then I rebuilt the original uh, Fender output stage. And so it's kind of like a, a weird hybrid of, like, this... What is it? A Super sixty from Fender, and then the the Tiny Terror Orange. That's got to be pretty cool. It's it, it's incredibly bitey. Like if you're gonna do some like really like heavy like tremolo picking, like palm muting stuff, like mm-hmm. so much articulation.
0: How it many watts
1: is that? Uh, I think it is the full sixty watts. It gets ooh, uh, it gets blisteringly loud for being a one twelve. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've, I've never had anybody explain this to me, and maybe you can. Um, I've, I don't even know if I've asked it or if I've just wondered it in my head. I say so many things on this podcast, I don't even know. But when we're talking about wattages, right? So, like, I'm talking about, like, my 75, and you're talking about the 60, and they're, they're like, really loud. But they're not, like, I also have this old, like, 120-watt solid-state crate. That's also very loud, but it's I would say that the the 75 watt Fender is much louder. There there seems to be this perception at least amongst guitar players that tube amps generally are louder per watt
1: than solid state, but I don't know if that's really true. Is that Is there any truth to that at all? I mean the, my life experience would would say that it's absolutely true. Yeah. Um I don't quite know how to explain it. I think I, I just think it's got something to do with like the the current uh, the current delivery method and like RMS voltage versus okay. peak. I, I I actually really don't know. But um, but yeah, like every tube amp I have uh, or have played has been 10 times louder than the equivalent wattage solid state. It's a
0: very strange thing. Yeah, it's like my f- I have a 15 watt Benson Monarch that. It probably wouldn't keep up in the Doom band, but it keeps up with most rock bands.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny because, um, like, specifically with my band setup, like, I literally had to buy that 1,000-watt head because um, nothing else would keep up. Like, I went through probably five or six different amps um, that were much lower in wattage. And, I mean, even, even like, an 800-watt, like, Fender it's just started farting out before it was even loud enough to be heard like next to the drum set. It's amazing. The volume that, that the doom bands push like
0: everyone's <laughs> trying to be trying to be sun. And it's just like, <laughs> uh, like, I don't know who's louder if they're louder or if dinosaur junior is louder, but like, it's, it's a, it's amazing. Like I, I want to go to, some of those shows just for that experience, but I also like Fear for My Ears. Yeah. Which sounds yeah. like a, a band name, actually, now that I say it.
1: Fear for My Ears. I don't <laughs> Fear know. for Ears. Mm-hmm. Have
0: you ever been to a, one of those
1: concerts? The, the really, like, blisteringly loud ones?
0: Yeah, obviously you play in one, but, like, <laughs> has there ever been one that... W- I've heard people say that some bands are actually kind of scary to see because they're
1: so loud. <laughs> Um... I don't, I don't know. I guess I, I, I've, I've been wearing earplugs for, you know, the last like 15 or 17 years or something. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, in terms of like any professional band, I don't, I don't know. I think it's been pretty balanced, like not, not terribly loud. Um, I've definitely seen a few local bands where, I mean, it, it's like, uh, <sighs> A full stack plus an extra, like, you know, <laughs> two by 10 or something where they just bring every piece of gear that they own and plug it in and turn it up. And in such a confined space, like you just right. can't you can't stand there. You you have to, like, go to the bar because you're just like, I can't do this. My heart is going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shaking my my guts and my insides
0: to their core. It's bad <laughs> stuff. So, somehow, we've gotten this deep in the conversation. We haven't actually talked about very many of your pedals other than that
1: Fender Blender clone. What do you have for us? What are you making these days? Okay, so um, the very first pedal I made, uh, or released, I should say, um, it's it's a heavily modified clone of a uh, FY2, uh, Chennai FY2 slash Companion Fuzz. Um, it's got a really... Uh, aggressive square wave sound to it um pretty aggressive um high pass filter as well so it's 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 like a buzz saw kind of sound um mm-hmm. and so yeah that one that that's like one Im- implication or that's not the right word uh <laughs> what's the word i'm i'm having a moment i don't know <laughs> i don't uh, know what word you're looking for iteration yeah, yeah. Iteration. No? Yeah, there you go. That's the right word. Okay, so okay. it's one iteration right. of the uh, the transistor biasing uh, noise gating that I use. Um, gotcha. Yeah, and so I, I, it's it's probably one of my favorites. Like you you just flip a toggle switch. It sounds ninety eight percent identical to when the toggle switch is not flipped, and you get zero noise even with like P ninety single coils. But you get like all of that that sound. Like you're not losing. Anything except the like the the quiet tails of your sustain um so so yeah, that one that one was the first one. The second one that I did is an original design called a torsion um It's got two transistor stages and then it goes into a uh l m three eighty six power amp chip, um which I know a lot of people like to use. And then like there's a whole tone section and then your output buffer. Um that one I really like because it's got a, a, a linear gate to it. So you can you can really fine-tune how much gating. Kind of like what I was talking about with the SSL console. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you can just, you know, barely attenuate it or stomp on it. Um and then the third one that I, I put out was my version of a harmonic percolator. Um that one took absolutely forever to figure out because any time I tried to put together like a direct clone, like same problem as that fender blender, the noise was almost as loud as the signal. So, so that one took probably twelve or thirteen iterations before I finally got it. Um, and yeah, I added a, a, a tone section to it, um, two noise gates actually to that one, uh, an input boost and an output boost. Um, and then lately I've been doing a lot of kind of random unofficial things. Um, I'm kind of, I'm in a little bit of a purgatory situation right now. I've been working on a base overdrive slash compressor for probably a year now. I I work on it for a little while. I order the PCBs, something's wrong with it. So I kind of shelve it for a few weeks and then I come back to it and I've just been doing that on a loop. Um, but then I'm also... I'm in the middle of a, a collaboration right now. Um Ooh. can't really give too many details right now, but I'm working with another very notable company. Uh, we're putting out a pedal, which we both think is ridiculously awesome. Uh, much more complex than anything I've done before. Um, so yeah, if you're interested at all, keep an eye out for that. Um, and then uh, I just... So w- with all the the terrible crap that's been going on in the world. I uh, I designed this little fuzz pedal that I call the 3904 because it uses four 2N3904 transistors. Um, and I've been selling those for, for pretty cheap and donating basically everything above cost to various charities and, and organizations doing good for the world. Um, and then uh, Beyond that, uh, I pulled out a couple, what I'm going to call prototype designs that people think should not be prototypes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I've got this one, I'm calling it Broken, because it's it's got a knob that just makes it sound incredibly broken. Uh, cool. It's, <laughs> it's more or less, <laughs> it's more or less like a standard fuzz pedal, like your volume tone gain, uh, but then it's got that the knob that I labeled fix, because as you turn it up, it makes it sound not broken. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so yeah, that one, people are digging that one. And it kind of, it kind of surprised me. That's, that's just, it's the first pedal that I actually designed myself. And I was like, I think I'm the only one who's going to like this. So I literally just shelved it for three years and and busted it out recently. And yeah, so that one I'm surprised and stoked that people are enjoying that one. Um, And then there's this other one I have called a degrade. Um, I'm doing like a super small, super small run of those. Um, It's also super heavily gated. Uh, The circuit mostly started out as a Fender blender, but I just I tweaked like every single stage of it. I got rid of the octave effect. Added a, a clean filter. It's, it's got like a clean bypass and you can filter out all the highs. So if you want to play like like bass with all your clean lows and then all your distorted highs, you can do that. Cool. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And then I'm also designing DI boxes now just because I want to. Well, that's you don't need any other reason. That's the best <laughs> reason to do anything just because you want to.
0: Yeah. Is there something specifically that you're looking to get out of a DI that you couldn't find?
1: Uh yeah, simplicity, I guess. I mean, that sounds really stupid cuz they're all incredibly simple, but um so the one I have, it's just your instrument input, XLR output, and then you plug a 9 or 18 volt supply into it and it just does what you want it to do. And the other one that I'm finalizing right now, it just runs on 48 volts phantom power from the, the console. So oh, it's nice. just, yeah, plug in, like one input, one output, done.
0: Yeah, it's, it's that's something I kind of overlook, and that's probably because I'm a guitar player. But bassists kind of, they don't need a DI necessarily, but it's a very nice thing to have. And guitarists, I think, don't hardly ever think about that.
1: Right, yeah, it's, I mean, with with a lot of consoles, you can definitely plug your instrument, like, right into it, and it doesn't really affect things, but there are definitely situations where, uh, if you do that, like, the impedance mismatch will cause you to lose a lot of lows and or a lot of highs, and so, you know, having the proper output impedance is kind of important for, you know, some situations, and if you're in that situation, you're kind of boned if you don't have one. right. Right, 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 but yeah, I assume that is much less of a concern with with all guitar players. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We just <laughs> we just
0: stomp on things and throw things around and hope for the best. Or at least, or maybe that's just me. That could just be me. Let's see here. Uh, oh wow, this really flew by. Uh, we're getting down to the last little bit here, and Yay. I think we should probably start rolling into the the classic questions and close this thing out. But uh, before we do that, this is your chance to, you know, say whatever you want to say. Uh, plug what you want to plug. If you got a message you wanted to get out to a few thousand people, now's a, a good time to do it.
1: Um, okay, so f- the, the personal plug I'll do is uh, if you go to my website, dirtyhaggard.com, uh, if you use the, code, the coupon code uh, ORBIT, you will save 15%. So I encourage anyone who's interested to do that. Um, And the second thing, I hate to be so incredibly cliche, but with the elections coming up, we all need to learn uh, who is up for election in our local areas and vote. Because things suck right now. (laughs) Yeah, and the
0: locals actually... You know, a lot of people overlook it in favor of the things at a national scale, but local is what affects you in your backyard. So it isn't
1: a bad reminder. Right. And the turnout is typically like, you know, 30% or less of the voting population. So very important that we do that. Definitely. Definitely. All right, man. So here we go. This
0: is another one of the classic questions. What is your favorite boss pedal?
1: I feel like this is also going to be incredibly a, a cliche answer, but I really love the <laughs> DS one. Oh uh, my man! I use yeah, I use it. Actually, I got so incredibly lucky. Um, I was hanging out with my girlfriend, and I was like, you know what? I want to go up to uh, you know Brizlone. I'm sure, um, like a, a it's mm-hmm. kind of like a pawn shop, like right up in Vancouver. I bet, and I was like, I, I I've think never I want been to go there. there. But and, I know of it. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Um, yeah, I was just like, I want to go there and see if they have a DS one and I show up and they have like the, the limited edition 2017 black one. And so I was like, oh man. And, and I got it and it was, you know, they, they sold it to me for like what 40 bucks or something. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, I absolutely love that thing. I I use it more as like a, a heavy overdrive. Um, but through like a good tube amp, I think it sounds great. I don't, I don't understand all the hate that it gets.
0: I just made a video about the DS one well, two weeks ago or so. And I was just like, listen, you're, if you don't like this pedal, you're probably using it wrong. And I hesitate <laughs> to be the guy that says wrong when it comes to music. Cause you know, if you like it, then, I mean, then I guess you're not doing it wrong, but I feel like everybody who complains about it, almost, almost all of them that I see, They have the tone turned up past noon. And on a stock DS1, I don't think you can do that with very many rigs, I'll say. Right. I think that that just doesn't sound very good.
1: I've seen a lot of guitar players get really great tone out of it. Like if if they have like a a Strat or something that's already really bright, they literally have the tone at minimum. And it sounds great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, And I I don't know if
0: that's... Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah, I use it like definitely, like, uh, definitely left of center. <laughs> pretty, pretty heavily mm-hmm. left of center. Yeah, I usually have it around nine or 10,
0: somewhere in that ballpark for, for myself. Yeah, that's almost, like the magic On zone almost now. any yeah. guitar. Even, even like my Les Pauls that are already pretty low, it's still somewhere around there. I just, that's where it sounds good. I don't know why they included all that high end in it. I don't really understand that what the right. thought process was there, but it's such a good circuit. It really is.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's simple and it just does exactly what it's supposed to do. And the black ones sound better
0: <laughs> because of their aesthetic. They absolutely do. Yes, exactly. I knew you would agree. <laughs> I, I also got incredibly lucky and found one of the guitar center, uh, black ones for sale at, at Guitar Center. It was on sale for like $30. And I was like, damn, yeah, I'm going to take that. It's a stock yeah. DS one. I'm we, we kid, but, but, but not really the black. one. <laughs> All right. Last I question of the show. So here we go. This is the one that people, you know, I know you, You were, you, you gave us a little bit of politics earlier and, and, you know, that can get controversial, but this is what gets really controversial. This is the one that can
1: make or break a company. What's your favorite kind of pizza? I'm really tempted to just make up some absolute BS right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love it with American cheese. No, that's, that's an abomination. Um, So I like a standard cheese pizza with as many jalapenos and banana peppers as you can fit on it. Um, mm, I'm about that life. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I mean, I. there's so many great ways to make pizza, uh, particularly with like vegetables on it. That's that's always my favorite. But um, when it's loaded with with a variety of like hot and sweet peppers, I think that's just that's pretty bomb. Yeah, I, I'm on board with that.
0: Since you're local, I can I can dig into this a little bit further. What are your, some of your favorite spots around here?
1: <laughs> um, uh, so I I actually have a really sensitive stomach, which is funny to say after saying I like it full of jalapenos. But uh <laughs> okay. when yeah. I eat like when I eat like normal bread, um I just erupt in, in gas. So I have to go for the gluten free. Types because mm-hmm. for whatever mm-hmm. reason that just I digest it no problem so uh, mostly it's uh it's Mississippi pizza for me okay Mississippi I don't
0: think I've been there I'll have to give them a try
1: that's, I uh, that's I also to hear. like
0: uh, I mean uh, th- I'm I'm south so like I don't I don't get into Portland as often as I used to because I'm in Oregon City and. On the way to Portland, there's quite a few good spots. So it's like I kind of have to already be up there to 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 swing by somewhere else most of the time. I don't make the trek as often as I – well, pre-COVID, <laughs> I was up there all the time. But like now I'm just kind of at home most of the time, so I don't venture out <laughs> all that far. But Mississippi, I'll have to give that a try. Uh, my favorite one in Portland isn't currently open, I don't believe, and that's Checkerboard Pizza. Which is in the Pine Street Market, and it's an offshoot of Ken's Artisan. It's very, very good. Huh? If you're ever feeling like, like braving the gluten, uh, you know, give give their cheese slice a nibble. It's very, very delicious.
1: Word. I will have to make a note of that. I don't, I don't know that place.
0: Hopefully, it opens back up. It hasn't been open this whole time, so I'm a little bit nervous, to be perfectly
1: honest. (sighs) But fingers crossed. Yeah. I feel like we're gonna lose mm, probably half of like the best food places in the city, and
0: that's bad because this is like that's like one of the best things about living around here. The food right. is just top notch. I don't want to see. We already have lost some good ones. We lost uh, we lost uh. Oh, why can't I think of the name of the place? It always does this. It's under the Morrison Bridge. Uh, montage. We lost. That oh place. yeah, yeah. I don't know
1: if you're familiar, that place was great. Yeah, going. that one, I think, I thought I heard that, that Pock Pock was closing. I don't know if that's, was there like a temporary closed, thing or if
0: that's. They closed a bunch of restaurants. They closed all of the, basically all the satellite locations. And I don't think they've reopened the main location, but they permanently closed all the satellite locations from what I remember. And then they're kind of like in a holding pattern with, uh, with the main one. They're doing some like uh, meal kits and things like that right now. So I made sure to go get involved because that's definitely one of my favorite spots. Like, man, I love Pock Pock so much. Can't yeah, it can't yeah. go away. Um. Anyway, well, that's a depressing note to wrap this up on. <laughs> <laughs> if you live in Portland, go get some takeout from Pock Pock. Help them survive, please. Do it. Do it. Everybody, do it. Plus, Andy's a really nice guy. He uh, he's he's donated to a couple like Tone Mob related giveaways, and he's, he seems like a good dude. All right. Well, Nick, you got anything else for the people? Uh. Hmm.
1: F word. Okay. <laughs>
0: All right. Sure. <laughs> Alright, everybody. For Nick, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Alright, there we have it. There's another one in the can. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's more. There's more over on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash tonemob for five bucks a month, you support the show, and you get extra episodes delivered to your ears every week. And on this one, Nick discusses a rather odd incident with cocaine which I guess when cocaine is involved, it tends to be an odd incident, I would imagine. So you can go to check that one out over at Patreon if you have the ability. If not, thank you so much for listening anyway. Share this with a friend. Tell somebody about it. Honestly, the downloads matter so, so, so much. They really, really do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be back soon with another episode for you. All right. Talk to you next time.